discover the inherent power of God in you. Whether there are challenges or not, we are still the same. We are constant. God is constant. God does not change. And that is the life that we have received. It says Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. That is the same life we have also received. We are also the same yesterday, today, and forever. What kind of life? We, we, we are the same because we have the same life with Christ. So when you think about God, think about you. Because everything he is, that is why he told Abraham, he said, I am your, your exceeding great reward. God gave himself as a reward to Abraham. And we are the seed of Abraham. Therefore, we have inherited God himself. Listen to Pastor Oti Boateng as Christ is magnified in you. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. I want to welcome you to our MC service this evening. It's a blessing to have you. Um, to be with you like this once again. I know that the word of God you are sharing is blessing you. And tonight I'm going to add up to what I've been sharing with you concerning um, the cell ministry and how that we are called by God to do this um, precious work. The work of the, the ministry is for all of us. I've showed you so many um, scriptures along this, this line. You know, and I want us to continue today. But before we go on, I want us to just share a quick word of prayer. And then we'll get into the word. Father, thank you for this opportunity once again. We are grateful. Thank you that even as we hear, our hearts and our minds are captured by your word. Thank you for great grace ministered to all of us. Thank you that your Holy Spirit takes absolute control of every single word. Thank you that these words make a deep impression on our hearts. And we receive grace to rise and do what you have called us to do. Even in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. So, um... We've been sharing on the cell ministry, you know, and this um, evening, I know, uh, I've titled my message, God's Pattern for Carrying Out the Ministry. Now we know that we have a ministry, and God, has, God is not haphazard. God is organized. God knows what he wants to accomplish, and he knows how to accomplish what he wants to accomplish. There's a way he wants it done. Hallelujah. And uh, it's, it's important we know his set pattern, what he has set down, you know, for us to, how he has put things in place for us to follow. It's important we don't just do what we want to do. We do what he wants done. You know, if you read the Old Testament, you see how God gave patterns concerning how the temple of old should be built and how the tabernacle should be built. God gave Moses patterns. He gave him um, um, a design. Can you imagine? God gave Moses a design as to how things should look in the tabernacle of old. You know, and Moses did everything according to the set pattern that God had given. And it's important we do the same in, in the body of Christ, in the New Testament, in order to accomplish God's goal. God has a goal. His goal is to raise a church. If you read Ephesians chapter 5, verse 25, you will see one of the goals of God, one of the major goals of God. It says, Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. Then he says that he might cleanse it, so he gave himself for the church for a reason, so that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word, that he may present it, he might present it to himself, a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. So God has an aim. He wants a church that is a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. That's what he's looking for. 
He wants to present a church without spot or wrinkle to himself. And he's commissioned you and I to help get this done. So if you read in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 2, Paul mentioned something. He said, Would to God, from, okay, it's fine, from verse 1 is fine. He says, Would to God you could bear with me a little in my folly, and indeed bear with me. For I, have a, for I am jealous over you with godly jealousy. Why? For I have espoused you to one husband, that I may present you as a chaste virgin to Christ. Have you seen it? So it's shown to us in Ephesians that God, Christ is going to present the church to himself. But actually it is individuals. We are the ones going to present others to Christ as we are presented to Christ ourselves. God, Paul says, I am jealous of you with godly jealousy. Why? Because I have espoused you to one husband that I may present you as a chaste virgin to Christ. Paul was conscious of presenting people to Christ as, chaste, as a chaste virgin. If you read in a... In a there are so many places. If you read in Colossians chapter 1, you know, verse 28. Look at Colossians 1, 28. It says, whom we preach, Christ. If you read in 27, it says, Christ in you, the hope of glory. Then verse 28 says, whom we preach, Christ, whom we preach, Christ in you, whom we preach, warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom. For what purpose? So that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. We may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. It says, every man must be presented before the Lord perfect. Then verse 29 says, For whereunto I also labor, striving according to his working, which worketh in me mightily. So he was working, you know, for a particular purpose, for God's purpose. And there was a way Paul did it. There was a way the disciples did it. There was a way the apostles did it. Hallelujah. If you read the Bible, you see how that we are we have we have come into the body of Christ. We are now members of the body of Christ, you know. And um, the body of Christ is you know symbolized with or it it is synonymous to the human body. Christ is described or Jesus is described as the as the head of the body, and the church, we you and I are described as the the members of the body. We are the body. He is the head, and we are the body. There are so many scriptures I can show you along that line. Now, what that lets you know is that there's a way, you know, for things to work. No matter how powerful the head is, your head is. If your head wants to take food, if you're if you're hungry, if your stomach sends information to your mind that you're hungry, and your hands do not pick the food from the bowl to eat, know that the head's aim will not be accomplished. The head's aim of bringing food into the stomach for the whole body to enjoy will not be accomplished. Hallelujah. So, the way God carries out his ministry, or God carries out the ministry, is through his body. If you're reading Ephesians chapter 1, um, let's read Ephesians chapter 1 from verse 20, so that you see what I'm talking about. It says, which he wrote in Christ, when he raised, he was talking about the power of God. Let's read from verse 19, so that we understand even some more. And what Paul was praying for the church is, I'm praying that you may know what is the exceeding greatness of his power to us what who believe, according to the working of his mighty power, which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in the heavenly places, far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this world, but also in that which is to come. And then verse 22 says, And has put all things under Christ's feet, and gave him to be the head over all things to the church, which is his body. The church is his body. Then it says, the fullness of him that filleth all and in all. So the church is his body, and it is through the church that he fills all things. Now, if you read in the message version from verse 22 into 23, look at message 22 into 23. It says, he's in charge of it all. He has the final word on everything. At the center of all this, Christ rules the church. 
the church, you see, is not peripheral to the world. The world is peripheral to the church. The church is Christ's body. Then it says, in which he speaks and acts, by which he fills everything with his presence. So it is in the church that he speaks and acts, and by the church he fills everything with his presence. Every act of God or every action of Christ is going to be by the church. It's going to be through the church. We form his hands. We form his legs. We are his outstretched arms. We are his. We, we are. We, we form his torso. We form. We, we are. We are his body. Without us, he cannot accomplish what he wants to accomplish. That that's how important you are. You are very very important to the Lord. And like I said, the head acts through the body, just as we human beings also act through our bodies. Your head will think about something, and your body will be the one to carry it out. And amazingly, the human body is made up of cells. You know, on Sunday I was talking about the body cells. There are two types of cells that make up of a cell is the basic unit of life. Without the cell, you can't have so it goes like this. We have cells, then a group of cells comes together to form a tissue. And then a group of tissues comes together to form an organ. And a group of organs comes together to form what? An organ system. And organ systems come together to form the human body, an organism. So without the cell, you cannot have, it's a group of cells that form our skin. Okay? We are covered with, with the, the skin. The, the skin is the largest organ in the body. Okay? And it is actually made up of tissues which are made up of cells. So God functions the same way. I mean, it is, it is even, it's clearly written in the Bible. The way God accomplishes, accomplishes things is through small groups. Okay, through individuals who form small groups. So each individual is a cell. All of us are cells, and then we come together to form a tissue, and then more tissues come together to form an organ, and then more organs come together to form an organ system. You know, organ systems include the respiratory system. For instance, our breathing and breathing in and breathing out is the respiratory system. If you've forgotten your science, I'm just giving you some small science uh, education this, this evening. You know, so your, your, the, the respiratory system is actually a system that controls your breathing. Okay? And it, is, it includes your nose. Okay? So your nose is an organ. It includes your, your trachea. Okay? And then includes your, your lungs. And then your diaphragm. Hallelujah. <laughs> the nose is an organ. It's made up of cells which come together to form a tissue some tissues which also come together to form the nose your trachea going down is also another it's also another organ your diaphragm your 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 lungs are also organs but they are made up of cells okay then we have the digestive system for instance it includes the mouth the teeth the tongue the esophagus, then you go down, you know, through the intestines, you know, the stomach, and all of that. And all of that forms an organ system as well. And then you have so many organ systems coming together. For instance, the skeletal system. We have, we have the skeletal system. That forms your structure. Okay, it's also made up of many, many cells, many tissues, many organs. And then those organs come together to form that cell, that um, organ system called a skeletal system. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So there are so many. We can go through all of them. And, you know, medicine, 
human biology studies all these organ systems in order to, and they focus on various aspects of them. So in the same way, the body of Christ is a very big body and includes many organs and organ systems and hence cells and tissues. But it all starts from the cell. So the cell system is um, letting you know how the life of the church, the life of the body of Christ on earth is based on an individual and what's the individual, um, the action of that individual. Hallelujah. So that's how it is. I mean, without, without the cell, the human body cannot do anything. If some of your cells decide to not function as they are supposed to, those cells become cancerous. So cancer comes as a result of certain cells deciding not to work well or to grow too much or, you know, something. Then you have problems. Hallelujah. See, I refuse to be a cancer in the body of Christ. I will never be a cancer in the body of Christ. I will never, you will never be a cancer in the body of Christ. So if you look into the Bible, you will see how um, these, this concept of small groups you know, have been in the, in the system. It's been there. You know, the, in the Old Testament, um, God sent Moses to go for the children of Israel out of the land of Egypt. And when he brought them out, the Bible says there were more than two million people, you know, that came out of Egypt. And for them to be managed and for them to grow and be taken care of well, God gave Moses a plan he gave him a pattern to make things work. He gave him a pattern concerning how the tabernacle was supposed to work. There were instructions concerning. Uh, so God showed Moses a vision of the tabernacle of heaven. and showed him the sizes. Even if everything had measurements. Everything. There was a way the ark of the, the tent was supposed to, what the tent was supposed to be made of. The size of the tent. There were instructions concerning um, the Ark of Covenant, what was to be made of, what, how it should look. Everything came with instructions. You know, there was a pattern. And God told Moses, look, make sure you do it after the pattern that was showed you in the mount. This is Exodus 25, verse 40. It says, and look that thou make them after their pattern, which was showed thee in the mount. God told Moses, make sure that you do everything according to the pattern which was showed you in the mountain of God, that I showed it to you, when I showed it to you in the mount of God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And Moses did everything according to what he was told. And when he finished everything, the Bible says that the glory of God filled the, the, the tabernacle. The, the tabernacle was filled with the glory of God. God himself could dwell in there. God gave him instructions as to what to do physically in order for his presence to be with Israel spiritually throughout their journeys. And amazingly, when they finished everything, they were instructions correct. He says, And he read up the court round about the tabernacle and the altar and set up the hanging of the court gate. So Moses finished the work. He did what? He finished the work according to what he was told. He finished the work. Then a cloud covered the tent of the congregation and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. So because Moses did everything according to the pattern that God showed him, okay, and finished what God showed him to do, God came in, filled the whole place. So it's important we don't um, do things in our own minds, but do things the way God has designed for them to be done. It's so important. It's so important. Now, when God brought Israel out of Egypt, you know, and brought them into the wilderness, showed them what to do and all of that, Moses' father-in-law came to him one day, and he saw him sitting and judging the children of Israel. Okay? 
everybody will come to him with various cases. And I want us to examine that. It is in these verses that the concept of the cell system began. Okay, it began, it began with, with this particular a story. So if you read in Exodus chapter 18 from verse 13, it's a long read, but I'll read it to you. Okay? So the cell system is God's idea from of old. It's not something that started today. It's God's way of managing his children and his way of increasing them and multiplying them. It's his way of increasing his church. And it started in the Old Testament. He says, and it came to pass, even, even, even uh, uh, before Moses, it had, it had started. Um, Jacob had 12 sons. And each son was a group. Each son became a tribe that came together to form Israel. Okay, and each tribe had a specific thing that it was supposed to do. For instance, the tribe of Levi were priests. The tribe of Judah were kings. The tribe of Benjamin were those who held stones, who used slings to hold stones. I mean, Naphtali and Zebulun were the tribes who hazarded their lives for all of the of the children of Israel. They were they were the assassins. Yes, I mean, everybody had their own role. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So small groups, the concept of small groups and uh, managing those small groups, letting those small groups grow in order for the corporate group to the the, the complete, you know, nation to grow is a concept that God introduced a long time ago. A long time ago. But in this particular, in these verses, we see it, you know, practically showed to us. He says, and it came to pass, this is Exodus 18, verse 13. And it came to pass on the morrow that Moses sat to judge the people. And the people stood by Moses from the morning unto the evening. So Moses was sitting down and he was, um, you know, judging the people. When they say judge the people, what it, mean, what, it, what it means is that he was, you know, people would bring their cases to him and he would sort them out. So he had a long queue. People would come and he would say to them, what is your problem? This one slapped me. Oh, that, I'm not supposed to slap him. Do this. I mean, he was solving everybody's case. And it was a big problem. Next verse. And when Moses' father-in-law saw all that he did to the people, Moses' father-in-law was Jethro, the priest of Midian. You know, when he saw all that Moses was doing, he was concerned. He was thinking about his, his, his daughter and his grandchildren. How are you going to get time for my daughter and my grandchildren? You will not get time. The whole day you are sitting down judging the children of Israel. How is it going to work? And when Moses' father-in-law saw all that he did to the people, he said, what is, what is this thing that thou doest to the people? Why sittest thou thyself alone, and all the people stand by thee from morning unto evening? Why? And Moses said unto his father-in-law, Because the people come unto me to inquire of God. The people come to me to inquire of God. Next verse. When they have a matter, they come unto me, and I judge between one and another, and I do make them know the statutes of God and his laws. I teach them what to do. And Moses' father-in-law said unto him, This, the thing that thou doest, is not good. What you are doing is not good. I mean, you go to certain, to certain churches and you have a pastor and he's talking to so many people. I remember going to a certain church and after service, there I saw a minimum of 100 people in a queue. And they were all going to see the pastor. I was, I was crying in my heart for the pastor. I was wondering how he was going to be able to do all of that. You know, and he did it. The song will come, you talk to him, pray for him, and the song will go like that. That's, that's what Moses was doing. It's not supposed to be like that. It is not one person, it's not one, it's not... Uh, 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 no one human being can take charge of God's people. It's not going to work. Okay? It's not going to work. God always um, appoints people to take control over small groups, to handle small groups. And for people in the, in, the, in the small groups to help people in the group for things to work. 
and I'm going to be showing it to you. He says, Moses' father-in-law said unto him, The thing that thou doest is not good. Next verse. Thou will surely wear away, both thou and this people that is with thee. For this thing is too heavy for thee. Thou art not able to perform it thyself alone. You can't do it alone. And that's the truth. Nobody can do it alone. I can't be the only one preaching to everybody. The only one talking to so many people. It's not going to work. There must be people designated in different areas, different places to take care of things. We have, a, we have a very big church with branches all over. I'm not the one who handles everything. We saw this a very long time ago. We appointed people to take care of things, and it's been taken care of. But then we need more hands. We need all of us to get on board. It's so important. If the cells are not working, it's not going to work. If you are not working, it's not going to work. Because there's something you contribute. There's something you, bring on, you, you have to bring on board. So important. You know, so he says, Hearken now unto my voice, and I'll give thee counsel, and God shall be with thee. Be thou for the people to Godward, that thou mayest bring the causes unto God. In other words, you stand before God and pray. When they bring their problems, you pray to God. You talk to God. Because the ministry is like that is Godward and then manward. There's a God Godward aspect. Okay? So in the in Acts chapter Acts chapter six, verse four, the apostle said that it is not me that we should serve tables. We will not serve tables. Okay, appoint other people to take control of serving the tables. But we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. Prayer and the ministry of the word is God word. Hallelujah. Then there's the care of the people. You must take care of the people. First Peter chapter five verse one is is the is towards the people. It's towards everybody else. First Peter five verse one it says the elders which are among you are exhort who am also an elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ and also a partaker of the glory that shall be revealed. And it says feed the flock of God which is among you, taking the oversight thereof, not by constraint, but willingly, not for fetal lucre, but of a ready mind. Have you seen it? So there's a, there's a man what, there's the people what ministry, or the man what ministry, and then there's a God what ministry. And one person can do all the work. It's not going to work. Look at Acts chapter 20, verse 28. Acts twenty twenty-eight. I don't know if I'm, you are learning what, you are understanding what I'm saying. Acts twenty twenty-eight. It says, take it therefore unto, the, unto yourselves and to all the flock over which the Holy Ghost has made you overseers. Paul called for all the leaders, all the elders, all the people who were leading the small, small groups together. It, this was his last meeting with this church in Ephesus, you know, the Ephesian church. And he called everybody to come together. When they all came together, he told them, take it therefore unto yourselves and to all the flock over which the Holy Ghost has made you overseers to feed the church of God, which he has purchased with his own blood. So he said, he said feed the people that God has given to you. He called all the small, small, all the small, the heads of the small, small groups. You can be a head of a small group, and a small group includes one or two people. Where two or three are gathered in His name, there He is in their midst. A church is not uh, only the big place. The church can be a small group with one or two people in there that you are taking care of. Hallelujah. So go back to Exodus. It's so nice. He says, Hearken now unto me, I will give thee counsel, and God shall be with thee. Be thou for the people to Godward, and that thou mayest bring the causes unto God. And thou shalt teach them ordinances and laws, and shall show them the way wherein they must walk, and the work they must do. So two things. He says, you show them, when you are for the people, you are, God, you are, you are for them towards God, you will know what to teach them. Okay? And show them how they should walk. Your walk includes your, your work with the Lord. Then he says, and the, and the work they must do. Your work is your work for the Lord. So he says Moses will be able to teach them how to work with God. And he'll be able to teach them how to work for God or how to work with God. 
Every Christian has a walk with God and has a work with, for God or with God. And also has a, a faithfulness towards God and towards the people that God has given to him. So in this church, we have my work, my work, my faithfulness. I'll explain it to you as time goes on. Okay, look at the next verse 21. Moreover, thou shalt provide out of all the people able men. It says, get able men, such as fear God, men of truth, hating covetousness, and place such over them to be rulers of thousands and rulers of hundreds, rulers of fifties and rulers of tens. So you can say the tens is a cell. So you have the cell, then the fifties is the tissues, then the thousands is the what? The organ. And together they come, to, they come together to form the organ system. Or you can say the individuals are the cells who come together to form the tens. That's the tissue. And then they come together to form fifties. That's the, what, the organ. Then they come together as thousands to form what? The organ system. And then all of them together forms the body or the living organism. Hallelujah. So it was introduced a long time ago. He told them, let appoint people, men of truth, hating covetousness, and place such over them to be rulers over thousands and rulers over hundreds, rulers over of fifties and rulers of tens, tens, or leaders of tens, leaders of fifties, leaders of hundreds, leaders of thousands. So those who are leading the, the tens, so it came down to, I mean, one person handling ten people, that's, that's very easy to handle. Very, very easy to handle. Or one person handling himself <laughs> and handling two, two others apart from himself. And then they come together to form a group of ten. Do you see? And then a, a, a group consisting of ten people. And then you have another, so ten, 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 ten all over the place. Hallelujah. That's, that's the cell system right there. That's the cell system right there. Next verse. Look at the next verse. I hope you are learning something. And let them judge the people at all seasons. Let them be the ones who talk to the people consistently at all seasons. And it shall be that every great matter they shall bring unto thee, but every small matter they shall judge. So shall it be easier for thyself, and they shall bear the burden with thee. Because it's a burden. The ministry is a burden. It's a big deal. If thou shalt do this thing, and God command thee so, he told him, God is commanding you to do it. Then thou shalt be able to endure, and all these people shall also be shall also go to their place in peace. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. And Moses took it. Says God is commanding you so. So Moses took it. The only mistake he made was that he didn't train his leaders well. So it, it, it became a problem. In Numbers, you see the problem showing up again. You know. So Moses hearkened to the voice of his father-in-law and did all that he had said. Next verse. And Moses chose able men out of all Israel and made them heads over the people, rulers of thousands, rulers of hundreds, rulers of fifties, and rulers of tens. And they judged the people at all seasons. The hard courses they brought unto Moses, but every small matter, they judged themselves. And there was peace. Hallelujah. So it's, it's God's way. The cell system is God's way that has been of old. It's his way of caring for people, keeping the large numbers that comes in, and then growing the church to go to where it's supposed to get to. And this, this same technique is what was used in the New Testament. As soon as the church was given birth to, there were so many people who were coming in. God was bringing so many people. People were getting born again all over the place. So many people were coming in. Thousands. The church began with 120 people. Look at Acts. Let me walk you through it. Acts chapter 1, verse 15. We see, one, we see 120 people who were gathered in the upper room. It says, and in those days, Peter stood up in the midst of the disciples and said, the number of names together were, were about one and 120, only 120 of them. There were just 120. 
in the upper room. And they are the ones who receive the Holy Spirit. In Acts chapter 2, when they received the Holy Spirit, the Bible says a great, mighty sound went all over the place. And everybody heard it. Everybody heard it. And when they heard it, people gathered. So many people gathered from every place. Okay, Acts chapter 2, verse 6. It says, Now when this was noise abroad, the multitude came together and were confounded because that every man heard them speak in his own language. And he mentions the languages and all of that. Then Peter stood up and spoke because one of them has said that these people are just drunk. And Peter said, No, it's just 9 a.m. How can we be drunk? This is that which was spoken of by the prophet Joel. And he spoke and spoke and spoke. He preached the word of God to them. Now, ultimately, after preaching the gospel to them, in Acts chapter 2, verse 41, the Bible says that 3,000 men were added, okay, Acts 2, 41. It says, then they that gladly received his word were baptized. And the same day there were added unto them about 3,000 souls. 3,000 people were added to the 120 that were already there. So they became 3,120 after one preaching. That's mighty. Yeah, so you see, God, God, God is interested in increasing. The, the, the church has an unlimited capacity to grow. Okay, we must grow. The, church, the body of Christ is made up of, of human beings. So if we are going to grow, if we say we are growing, the, if we say the church is growing, what it means is that the people in the church are growing, not, not necessarily our finances. It's not our finances. It's not how beautiful the church is looking. It's not the towels you know, changing or the curtains changing or the decor changing. No, that is not how the church grows. The church grows with addition of people, more people being added to the church. Hallelujah. When we say a church is growing, we are looking at the number of people that are being added to the church. Okay? So the Holy Spirit is committed to growing the church. He is. Look at this. It was his, his move that gathered the people. He moved and people were gathered. It says, when the sound was noised abroad, people gathered. It was his sound. Eh? Okay, go to chapter, chapter we are in chapter 2 now. Chapter two. Let's look at verse, verse 2. Let's read from verse 1 so you, you understand even some more. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place, all the 120 in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a mighty, as of a rushing mighty wind. And it filled all the house where they were sitting. Next verse. And there appeared unto them clothing tongues like as of fire, and it sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. So it was the Holy Spirit. And there were dwelling at Jerusalem, uh, Jews, devout men out of every nation under heaven. When they heard, next verse 6, now when this was noise abroad, when the, it's the move of the Spirit that was noise abroad. The coming of the Spirit was noise abroad. They heard a loud sound coming from that particular building. And they all gathered. And when they gathered, the apostles spoke. So the Holy Spirit is interested in gathering people and convicting them. The Bible says that as, the, as uh, Peter spoke, they were cast, they were pricked in their hearts. They were pricked in their hearts. If you go down, you see it. They were pricked in their hearts. And they said, men and brethren, what shall we do? We, we are workers together with the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit always brings people to us to bring into the church. I was telling some of you, that since the year began, from January, we, have, we take a lot of data, by God's grace. From January to um, June, when we checked that data, we, we noticed that 5,000 people had come to church. We had 5,000 first-timers coming in. In other words, we've been able to bring so many people to church, to, to the Lord. Okay? But then, less than 300 of them have been establishing the church over the past, over the last six months. Why? Because there are, there are so many. Who is going to be able to handle them? 
So the apostles had a similar problem. They had so many people being added. So the problem is not with people coming. God will always bring people. You'll be surprised. I remember years ago, in 2014, I checked. We had just one church at that time. In uh, January of that year, I checked how many people had come to church, our small church, okay, in the last three years. And when I checked, it was more than 3,500. It was more than 3,500. We have had 3,500 people coming through church, but only 300 have been maintained. We were just 300. We had maintained only one, 10% of that figure. Why? Because a lot of those who were in the system were not ready to help take care of people. It's God's way of making sure people are kept. When people come in, that is the way to close in the back door. We can have a very big entrance, a big front door, and have a big back door as well. So people come in, they stay for a service, and they go out, and that's the end. Nobody cares for them. Nobody calls them. Nobody ensures that they keep coming. It's not that people don't want to go to church. People have problems with God. They don't understand God. And they need, they, need to be, they need to have the Word of God explained to them on a personal level. The Word of God that is preached from the pulpit is one thing, but then it must be preached to them while seated so that they can understand what's going on, so their questions can be, can be, can be answered. Okay? And God brought the same idea he gave to Moses, to the children, to, to, these, um, to this early church. Okay? Look, look at it. Acts chapter 2, verse 37. It says, Now when they heard this, they were pricked in their hearts. The Holy Spirit convicted them. Remember, the Holy Spirit's ministry is to convict them. So we, we work with the Holy Spirit. He convicted them and said unto Peter and to the rest of the, men, of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? They wanted to know, what shall we do? And Peter spoke to them. Look at the next verse. And then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. And amazingly, 3,000 of them gave their lives to Christ, and they were baptized. So 3,000 people were added immediately. How were they going to be taken care of? Can you imagine that just a few days later, more people were added? Look at Acts chapter, Acts chapter 4 now, verse 4. Look at Acts chapter 4, verse 4. So in Acts chapter 3, you see Peter and John going to the temple using the, the entrance, the gate called Beautiful, and they saw a man who was lame from birth, and they prayed for him. Peter prayed for him, and the man got healed. That's the move of the Spirit. And when a man got healed, so many people gathered because everybody knew that man. So many of them gathered. And Peter spoke to them, preached the gospel to them. When he preached, so look at what the Holy Spirit does. The Holy Spirit gathers the people for us to preach to. That's what the Holy Spirit does. He will always, and he, 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 he keeps to his part of the deal. He will gather. He will help you gather. He will do something, a sign, a miracle, a wonder to help gather people. But then he depends on you and I to bring them in and keep them. I don't know if you get it. Yes, he depends on us to bring them in. That is our portion of the work. He does the gathering, we bring them in and keep them. Okay, so when they prayed for this man, the man started walking. And so many people were gathered. When they gathered, Peter spoke and preached to them. They were all wondering how, how, things had, how these things were happening. Peter preached to them. When he, when he preached to them, the Bible says that 5,000 of them gave their lives to Christ. Acts chapter 4, verse 4. How be it many of them which heard the word believed, and a number of the men was about 5,000. Now, this is just, this is just men. Not, women are not part. This is just men. Women and children are not part. Because women and children were not numbered during the Old Testament. Or uh, in Jewish custom, they are not, women and children are not numbered. So they were only numbering men and naming men. Hallelujah. So 5,000 men were added. Meaning that and in every, every, every gathering, you have the women and children more than the men. 
So women and children are like twice the number. So we are looking at somewhere about around 15,000 or 20,000 people being added to the church. Can you imagine this was not, the, this was not all? More people were added. If you look at Acts chapter 5, verse 14, look at Acts chapter 5, verse 14. And believers were the more added to the Lord, more to choose. Now they couldn't count them, more to choose, both of men and women. They couldn't count them. More, these believers were the more added to the Lord, more to choose, both of men and women. More were coming in. The Holy Spirit was convicting people all over the place. You talk to somebody, before long, the person has given their life to Christ, and before long, he's here. How, how are they keeping the people? How are they going to keep the people? They're going to keep the people through the ministry of the cell system. And the Holy Spirit gave them that idea. So they did two types. There were two places that were meeting, two very important places that were meeting. They had a meeting in the temple and had a meeting in homes because the homes, people's homes were converted into small meeting places for 10 people to be able to meet, for 5 people to be able to meet, for 3 people to be able to meet, for 15 people to be able to meet. They, they weren't going beyond a certain number. You don't go beyond 15. Minimum, maximum 15. Minimum 2. You and another person. You may not have a home. We are not saying you should bring them to your house. But then in an area, we can have, you can have few people, small, few people in there gathered that you are in charge of. You bring to church. You make sure they are in the house of God. You make sure they are settled in the house of God. If you do that for God, the Lord will also honor you. Hallelujah. So if you read in Acts chapter 2, from verse 46, you see it. You see how they were keeping the people. God gave them an idea, this idea that God gave to Moses, which is the pattern God uses to bring people in and to help people stay in the body of Christ. If we shift from it, we will not see the glory of God. We will not see the multiplication that we are supposed to see. Hallelujah. Don't, don't go to heaven alone. Go to heaven with many people. Heaven must have many people. Nobody's supposed to go to hell. Our uncles and our nieces and our nephews should not go to hell. Our, our friends, our, our neighbors, all those people should not go to hell. They must be in the house of God. They must be in the kingdom of God. And God is depending on you and I to gather, to keep, to love, to love people into his kingdom. Hallelujah. So this is his method. This is his pattern. This is the way he uses small groups to look like nothing, but it's something. Small groups. This one is talking to this one. This one is talking to this one. You are controlling two people. The other person is also controlling two people. The other person is also controlling two people. When we come together, we become eight. Or even more, nine, something. We form a small group. Then, you know, we are part of another. And then we continue going like that and going like that and growing. That's how it works. For the human body to increase, the cells must increase. When cells divide, somatic cells or body cells divide, and that's what causes growth. They grow to a point and then they divide. And then, you, you see, your, your, let's say the cells in your nose. Your nose was not as big as it is now when you were born. If your nose was big, was big like this when you were born, you, do, you, do, you would have looked very, very funny. Your eyes were not as big as they are looking now. Your head is not as big as they were looking now. They are looking now. They were sp- Everything about you was smaller. You couldn't have come out of your mom if you were like, if you were an 18-year-old or a 25-year-old man coming out of the womb. It's not going to work. All of us come as babies. But then as we eat and drink and sleep and, and exercise, we grow. How, does, how is growth accomplished? So growth is actually not, growth is not a miracle. Growth is a mystery, but it's not a miracle. It's not. Growth is not a miracle. A miracle is the intrusion of the supernatural into the natural. 
Growth is not, it's not, it's not, it's not a miracle. It's a mystery. We don't understand how it works, but then we know that it works. If you do what you're supposed to do, you will grow. As long as you're eating, drinking, relaxing, or sleeping, doing all the things that you need to do to grow, you will grow. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So the church, is, church, church growth is also not a miracle. It's mysterious, but it's not a miracle. God has showed us exactly what to do to cause growth and exactly what to do to maintain the growth that the people that he brings to us. And that's a cell system. If we shift from it, it's not going to work. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So God is talking to you to, to be involved. Get involved. Get involved. Okay? He says, and they continuing, and they continue dealing with one accord, first of all, in the temple. And breaking bread from house to house, did eat their meat with gladness and with singleness of heart. So they did two things. They met in the temple. There was a large place where they could meet. Okay, so we have a big place here in church uh, where we meet. We all meet. If, if you're in any of our branches, we, we all meet in, there's a place, there's a, there's a cathedral or a temple, something that is being built or has been built that, where we meet physically. So we are meeting in the temple. There's, 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 there's no two ways about that. But the temple meetings were not the only meetings they were having. Okay? The temple meetings were not the only meetings they were having. Apart from the temple meetings, the Bible says they broke bread from house to house. They had house-to-house meetings. They had house meetings as well, which is smaller groups. They had the big meeting, and they had the small group meetings as well. That's how they were able to keep the people that God was bringing to them. That was how they were able to train the people that God was bringing to them. That was, that was, how, they did. That was how they did it. Without that, it's not going to work. There are so many scriptures I can show you on this slide. I have about 20 scriptures here, but I'll show you 10. Let me show you 10. Look at Acts chapter 5, verse 42, to let you know that they met in the temple and also in the house, in a big place and in, in small places, okay, with small numbers. One household could have about five people in there. Years ago, we had households in this church. You know, we've been doing this for many years, and but it's been we've been involving only only our leaders. But now, I want everybody to be involved because that's the way God wants us. God told me, "You've made a mistake by involving only your leaders. Let everybody be involved because it is my it is my way of making sure my children act on act for me and grow as I want them to. It's my way of training them, get them involved in the ministry, get them involved to taking care of somebody. Hallelujah." So Acts chapter 5, verse 42, it says, And daily in the temple, so they were doing this meeting daily in the temple, and in every house, they ceased not to teach and preach Jesus Christ. This was the apostles themselves. They had meetings daily in the temple, and meetings in every house. Can you imagine? Every house. Because the houses were places, were meeting places for, for the areas that they found themselves in. Hallelujah. Most of us are young, so we may not have a house. We are not saying you should go and have a meeting in your house. But there will be a meeting somewhere under a tree, in front of your porch, or in your porch, or in your father's hall. Something. Just two or three people. You can sit with them. Four people, five people. And then you share the word of God with them as a Christian. Okay? I don't know if you know Jehovah's Witness. Jehovah's Witness do not believe in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. They believe Jesus Christ is a created being and that he was a prophet. But they don't believe that he is God and that he is the one to be believed in to, to, for us to have. He do not believe he's the way, the truth, and the life. They don't. But they have a very large following. Why? Because of this particular concept. You may not see them uh, with billboards around. You know, unlike Charismatics and Pentecostals, you have billboards all over the place. You know, 
They will not have that. They don't have that. You see them, you know, moving with their bags and with their umbrellas, you know, from house to house, talking to people. If you give them a seat, they'll stay with you. And they'll stay with you until you follow them to their church or to their group. I remember years ago, this is, um, this is about 11 years ago, this is 2010. I was in Kumasi and I was going through um, the stadium area and I saw a very large group in the stadium. I was wondering what, what was going on because there was no advert anywhere that a meeting, was, a meeting like that was going to happen. So I asked someone, what's, what's going on here? And they said, oh, Jehovah's Witnesses are having their annual convention. Can you imagine the whole stadium was filled with that announcement? They had not made a single announcement on, the, on, on radio, on TV, nothing. This was just Kumasi Metropolis. And they had filled the stadium. I think more than, more than 40,000 people were there. So many of them. They are not Christians. They are not Christians. What are they doing? They are employing what the scriptures say we should do. Small groups. Little, little groups. You, a Christian, working on two people to establish those two in the course of a year. That's all. Working on just two people to be with you. That is your, your house. That is your cell. Then you bring them to the bigger meeting, you know, and then we continue like that. Everybody's taking care of somebody. And daily in the temple and in every house, they cease not to teach and preach Jesus Christ. Now, look at Acts chapter 8, verse 3. More scriptures to show you that they had two meeting places. The main church, the temple ministry, then they had the house-to-house ministry or the cell ministry. As for Saul, he made havoc of the church, entering into every house, and healing men and women committed them to prison. Even Saul of Tarsus knew that the Christians were meeting from their enemies knew. At this time, Saul, who became Paul, who was the enemy of the church, knew where to find the Christians. He knew that they would be in house meetings because at this time they had been banned from meeting in the temple. They couldn't enter the temple because they were being persecuted. Stephen had been killed in Acts chapter 7 and a great persecution had arisen because of that. And the Christians had dispersed abroad. Okay, If you look at verse 2, you see it from verse 1. And Saul was consenting unto his death. And at that time, there was a great persecution against the church, which was at Jerusalem. And they were all scattered abroad throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. So everybody has scattered. No, no meeting, no physical meeting. And there are times where the church gets into such challenges. COVID-19 is one of them, for instance. COVID-19 came and nobody could come to church. To, to, we couldn't meet together physically. But because we had smaller groups, we could have you online very easily. There were churches that went off. They died. Churches have collapsed completely. So many. But because we've had small groups over the years, we could easily organize ourselves and easily come online. And church was still going on. Can you imagine? Can you imagine that we built the sounds at a time when COVID-19 was in the system? Because God, we were giving our offerings, we were giving our time, we were giving our seats. Everything was still flowing normally. Why? Because of the, of the small group. This is, the, this is what God wants us to do. Okay? In, in China, they have an under, underground church. I'll talk to you some more about it on Sunday. That has grown, you know, into millions. You have, have millions of people involved. But the state does not know where they are. Because they, are, they meet in church, in, in, in houses, in corners. Small, small group. Two, three, two, three, two, three, two, three, two, three, like that. So many people. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It's the way to go. So when the church was persecuted and everybody went away, look at the next verse 2. It says, And development carried Stephen to his burial and made great lamentation over him. Verse 3 says, As for Saul, he made havoc of the church. He was destroying the church, entering into every house and healing men and women, committed them to prison. He knew that the churches were found in houses. 
They had smaller groups in their house. So if they are not meeting in the temple, they are still meeting. What are they meeting? They are meeting in, the, in someone's house. So he looked for those houses and looked for the Christians. When he goes in there, he sees them meet, meeting, and then he will take them away and take them to prison. You know, even their enemies knew that they had smaller groups. We must have small groups, very minute, small cell groups that you are in charge of. I'm not saying you are a member of. I said you are in charge of. One or two that you are in charge of. One or two people that you are in charge of. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Is it a good thing? Yeah. You know you are called to ministry. I'm showing you how it is done. This is how God wants it to be done. This is the pattern that God has given. Acts chapter 12. Look at verse 12. Acts 12, 12. And when he had considered the thing, he came to the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose surname was Mark, where many were gathered together praying. In this particular story, James, who was one of the three closest disciples to Jesus, had been killed. Peter, James, and John, if you remember. In the sailing boat, Peter, James, and John, in the sailing boat, that guy had been killed by Herod. And when Herod saw that it pleased the, the Jews, he went ahead and took Peter as well and held Peter in prison, waiting, for, to, waiting to kill him after Pentecost or after Easter. So the church decided to pray. And they couldn't pray, they couldn't meet in the temple. If you meet, your, your, your senior has been captured. If you meet in the temple, they'll capture everybody. They will catch everybody. So you can't come to church to come and pray. You know, the temple was not used, was not only used by the Christians, it was also used by the Jews, and the Jews hated the Christians. So they they, they couldn't meet in the temple, but were meeting in houses. So if you read in verse 5, he says, But Peter, Peter therefore was kept in prison. Then he says, But prayer was made without ceasing of the church unto God for him. Where were they having these prayer meetings? They were having these prayer meetings in houses. And one, one of those houses was John Mark's mother's house. John Mark is the one who wrote the book of Mark. Okay? He was, he was, uh, he was Barnabas's nephew. So this is Barnabas's sister's house. He says, and when he had, so Peter came out of prison by, by, by their prayer, their prayer got him out of prison. An angel was sent, he took, you know, he, he took Peter out of prison. All, the, all his chains fell off the, the big gate that was at the entrance of the city was open. The metal gate was open and Peter came through and came home. When he got home, when he, when he came out, he looked for, where he didn't go to the temple, he went to one of the houses. And he went to John Mark's mother's house. And when he had considered the thing, he came to the house of Mary, the mother of John, who said it was Mark, where many were gathered together praying. So they were praying in someone's house. Without ceasing. Praying around the clock. And they couldn't even believe that Peter, Peter had come out of there. They couldn't believe their prayer. If you go on, you see it. One young lady called Chloe, you know, came to come and uh, uh, sorry, Rhoda came to come and knock, come and hear when Peter was knocking on the door, and it goes on and on and on. But the main thing I want you to see is the fact that they met, they had house to house meetings or smaller group meetings. Like I was saying, it doesn't necessarily have to be in your house. Okay? Maybe you don't have a house, but if you have a house, your house can be a cell, a cell meeting place. If you have a house, you are blessed. If you have a place where we come, why not? Two or three people in front of your house. I remember having a small group when I was, when I was growing up. I, was, I just uh, finished secondary school. And I had a small group that was meeting in front of my house. There was, this, there was this bench in front of my house, constant bench in front of my house. You know, and I'll sit on it, they'll come, they'll sit by me, someone will stand by me, and then I'll, I'll share the word of God with them. As the group grew, I took them to my room. 
and we could, my room could be full. There could be so many people in my room. I remember the group grew to about 25 at one, at one time. They were all in my room. They would, be, they would be sitting, some would be sitting on the floor, and I'll be sharing the word of God with them. I was not a pastor. I had not gone to Bible school. I've still not gone to Bible school. I had not gone to Bible school. I, not, I didn't have any, nothing. But I, I was just sharing what God was teaching me in the scriptures to these young people. And they were picking it up. And they were growing. Some of them are in church right now as I'm talking to you. One of them is a pastor even in our church. Hallelujah. So your house can be a, a, a place where people can meet in front of your house, your corridor. We have churches that were started in corridors. Our church in Kaswa was started in someone's hall, one of our pastor's halls. And then it went into a corridor. And it's grown now. They're even buying lands and all of that. It's a blessing. Acts chapter 16, verse 40. Look at Acts chapter 16, verse 40. More scriptures will let you know that this is from the Lord. It says, And they went out of the prison and entered into the house of Lydia. And when they had seen the brethren, they comforted them and departed. This is also a story concerning Paul. At this time, that Saul who was persecuting the church had become born again and was now an apostle who had been sent out. And he had gone to a place called uh, uh, Lydia, I think, you know, and was, was preaching the gospel and were arrested. A lot of them were arrested. This is Philippi, actually. Okay, Philippi. This is Paul, the story concerning Paul and Silas when they were apprehended for preaching the gospel and they were lashed. The Bible says they lashed them and they put them in prison and commanded the jailer to keep them. It says, and at midnight, this is verse 25, and at midnight Paul and Silas, Silas prayed and sang praise unto God and the prisoners heard them. There was a great miracle. This is how the, the church in Philippi started. And suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken and immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's bands were loosed. So the jailer wanted to kill himself. But Paul said, no, we are here. Don't kill yourself. Okay. Now, when uh, morning was come, the people heard. Those who commanded for them to be lashed, okay, uh, uh, said, heard that Paul was a, was a Roman. And no Roman is supposed to be lashed like that. So they wanted to just send them away quietly. You know. Okay. Verse, verse 37. Go to, go to verse, verse 37. Acts 16, 37. This is what I was take, saying. But Paul said unto them, they have beaten us openly uncondemned being Romans, and how, and have cast us into prison, and now they, do they trust us out privately? No, nay, verily, but let them come themselves and fetch us out. Paul's angry. You people, you have lashed us openly. You want us to go out quietly. No, we are not going out. He was very angry, you know, because no Roman was supposed to be beaten like that, but he had been beaten. His back had been torn. And, you know, he was in prison, and God delivered them. Hallelujah. So when they came out of prison, the first place they went to was to someone's house. Can you imagine? They went to Lydia, a lady called Lydia's house. Lydia was a, was a seller of purple. She was a great woman. And they went out of the prison and entered into the house of Lydia. When Lydia heard the gospel, she opened her house to the disciples to come, to Apostle Paul to come to his house, to her house, I mean. If you go up, you see it. Okay? She, when she heard, the Lord opened her heart that she attended to all the things which Paul spoke. And she said, if I have been found worthy of you, come to my house. She brought them to her house. That's verse 14. And a certain woman named Lydia, a seller of purple of the city of Thyatira, which worshipped God, heard us, whose, heard us whose heart the Lord opened. And she attended unto the things which were spoken of Paul. Verse 15. And when she was baptized in her household, she besought us, saying, If you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come into my house and abide there. And she constrained us. So she called them to her house. So the, her house became a meeting place. And when Paul and Silas came out of prison, the first place they went to 
was into into the house of Lydia. That's in verse 40 where we're reading. Okay, and they went out of the prison and entered into the house of Lydia. And when they had seen the brethren, when they got to Lydia's house, there was a meeting happening. The brethren were there. Can you imagine? They comforted them and they departed. So church in, in small groups or in small places or in houses is the way that God has designed since the foundation of the earth. That is God's pattern for carrying out the ministry. And we shouldn't ignore it. I see you handling a small group. I see you teaching a few people, two or three people, four people, five people. And I see you establishing many people. I see your ministry working to the glory of God. I see you standing before the Lord on the day of the Bimasi judgment. And the Lord will have many crowns for you because you took care of his flock as he wants you to. Hallelujah. Father, thank you for your children. Thank you for your blessings upon them. Thank you for all that you have said to us. We are grateful. We are thankful. Thank you that these words are working in us and we are fruitful on every sphere of our lives, even in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. God bless you for listening. We pray that the word of God will be rooted and grounded in your heart as you give attention to the word. Kindly follow Pastor T and Love Economy Church on all social networks for more of God's word. Don't forget to subscribe to the Pastoti podcast. Simply search for Pastoti on any podcast app. Plug in and enjoy God's word. Visit our website at loveeconomychurch.org for more information. God bless you.